Maybe it happened like this. Maybe. He's been working in the field all day. It's a Sunday. And he's talking to his buddy in the field, and his buddy says, Hey, did you hear who's talking tonight at church? And he says, No, no, who? The Apostle Paul. We've, we've got Paul with us today. No way! You know, the, the, the guy that used to lock up people like us, and now he's like part of us, and he's like, he's here, like he traveled here. What? Yeah, he's journeying all over the place. You gotta hear him tonight. What floor is it? Third floor. Third floor, I'll be there. He's not Jewish. He's a Gentile. But he's part of this Jewish sect called the Way. Other people call them Christians. And he thinks, I have got to see this guy that I've heard so much about. People pass his letters around. We get to see those that stuff. And now he's here. I'm going to be there early, and I'm going to get a front row seat. So he works all day. He gets off work. He has a a light dinner. Gets into that third floor room, and he's got a front seat. Right where you want to be to hear Paul. And Paul starts preaching. And it's evening now when this service starts. And Paul's preaching. And for the first hour or so, he's doing great. Life is good. You know, this is what I came for. This is why I'm sitting in the front. Two hours go by, and he he, he starts to get a little bit like, whoa, it, it's a little much in here. You know, the, the oil lamps are burning. The room is packed out because it's Paul. And he's like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do to keep myself awake? I'm not going to be that guy. And he sees an open window ledge. And he thinks, cool night air. I can have like a higher, kind of a higher seat. To, to. And he gets on that ledge. And his eyes continue to droop. And he does, you know, the, the shake your head awake thing. He thinks, maybe I'll just fold my hands and look like I'm praying. That always works. <laughs> and that was the wrong move right there. Because before he knew it, he's out. Hour three of Paul's preaching did him in. And he is out, falling, falling, falling asleep, and then falling out the window. A three-story drop will kill a guy. And he's a strong 14-year-old guy. He's been working all day, but he's not that strong. He's dead. And at first, nobody notices. And then finally, someone looks over, maybe mom, and says, Eutychus and screams and and everybody's looking around. Where did he go? And they realize he fell. And they all start rushing down. And Paul's like, i got to be first, you know. But he can't because everybody's rushing down. But when Paul does get down there, he wished he was first, but he wasn't first. When he does get down there, he, he like, like Elijah before him, throws himself on top of the dead boy. And he says his life is still in him. And he wakes up. Paul says, time to eat. So they eat some bread. And then Paul says, y'all full? I'm going to preach until the morning. And he preaches the rest of the night. 
Now, why in the world is that quirky little story in the book of Acts? And why in the world, after I finished preaching Acts a couple of weeks ago, am I returning to it? Well, first of all, I have a week to fill, right? Before we kick off Reformation studies next week. But second of all, um, I didn't preach this text before and I really, really wanted to. I think there was something else going on in Acts 20 that I thought was a bigger deal. In fact, I know exactly what it was. Um, but this is where we need to be this morning. This is what we need to hear. So would you turn to Acts chapter 20? You've heard my maybe how it happened story. I'd like to give you the real deal. We don't have quite as many details here. But we do know some things. This is Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people because he intended to leave the next day. He kept on talking until midnight. There were lamps in the upper room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. And he said, don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Some translations say, his life is in him. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive. And we're greatly comforted, or literally it says, and Luke, this is a Luke expression for you, they were not a little bit comforted, which means they were really comforted. Why did Luke put this story in Paul's missionary journey travels? What's it doing here? There is a book written about preaching called Saving Eutychus. It's a book on preaching. And I think you might guess the answer to why it was written, why it's called Saving Eutychus. The book I'm preaching is like, how can you preach in a way to not put people to sleep? You know, that's the point of the book. Now, I'm all for best preaching practices. I think that's an excellent idea. But, oh, and and I also remember, I remember the first time someone slept during one of my sermons. It was not here. I don't think I've noticed anybody here, but. I remember I was in Watoma filling in for the senior pastor, and I'm preaching, and there was a guy sitting close in the front row. They're always almost in the front row. I'm just saying. They're almost always in the front row. Why they do that, I don't know. Like, if I'm sleepy, I'm in the back. Like, please, spare me. Um, <laughs> and they're nodding off. He's nodding off. This is a guy I respect. He's the father of a good friend of mine, and he, oh, I maybe I shouldn't have said that. He'll know who he is now. Okay. Um, father of a friend, a good friend of mine, and he's nodding off in the front. And, I, and then suddenly I realized, I'm not a good preacher. <laughs> or maybe he was out too late last night. I don't know. I don't know. I'll go with that story. How many of you at some point or another, not when you were a kid, when you were an adult, have nodded off in a sermon? I just, I just want to test you, okay? The rest of you are liars. Liars. Man. Um, it 
it happens. <laughs> I was going to say sleep for me, but I, don't wanna, I didn't want to go that far. That would be a little too hard to follow after that, okay? Um, so, yes, yes. I think I can guarantee that this text is not about Paul needing to preach shorter or better, more engaged. I, I can almost guarantee you that's not what this text is about. That's not Luke's point for putting it in here. And you say, how can you guarantee that? Even though people preach it that way and books have been written on it that way, I'd say that is wrong because if the moral of Luke's story is, Paul, you put him to sleep. What are you doing? You should have changed. Why in the world does Paul keep preaching until the sun comes up? Like, we raised him back to life. Let's get back to business, you know? I got more to say. By the way, there's two different words for preaching here that Paul's doing. And, and, and there is a sense of it's a back and forth. I really don't think it was lecture all night long. I believe it was discussion. Okay? To- totally. That, that's how I, that's how I read it. Um, but I don't think that's what it's about. I read a pastor blogger who said Eutychus is the first victim of organized religion. Oh, ouch. Yikes. Um, and so I think we're tempted to say, is it Paul's fault or is it Eutychus's fault? Now, if I rule Paul out, which I've just done, I'm either left with Eutychus is foolish for sitting in a windowsill on a third floor. Sounds like a teenager, right? Sorry. Um, by the way, when it says he was a youth, um, that word usually means, the, the Greek word means like between 8 and 14, you know. So I, I went to the, the, the 14 spectrum because I, you know, maybe he had worked all day and that's why he was tired. Give him the benefit of the doubt here, okay. It was a Sunday. And, and maybe you never thought about this, but on Sunday, most people got to work. You're Gentile in the early church. You're not taking Sunday off. It's not the Sabbath day. That's Saturday for the Jewish people. This is Sunday, so they're worshiping in the evening. And because they have an honored guest, they're going all night. Paul's here. This is a special deal. Okay? Now, like I said, you're left with a decision to make, and I've struggled all week long on this decision. Like, how am I going to do this? Even last night as I'm laying in bed, I'm like, I I just, am I? Is is, is Eutychus foolish? And there's, there's there's a lesson to learn here, like, a warning? Or is he just unfortunate? What is it? I'm going to preach it. I'm going to give you a warning and an encouragement today. I'm going to give you two things. Two sermons for the price of one. That's a good deal. Um, I'm going to give you a warning and an encouragement. Good news, bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? Bad news first? Oh, I actually heard that. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I, I really wanted to give you the bad news first. Okay, good. Good. That's what you're getting. You asked for it. Okay. Why does Luke include this story? Um, I'm going to argue, my, my, I believe there's a strong argument to make that there is a warning here to not fall asleep. Okay? Now, I'm trying to keep this simple, okay? But I am going to dive in the deep end a little bit, too. So, so, so my point's really simple. I think, and kids, if, if you're listening to me right now, the point is not don't go to sleep tonight for your parents. Like, that's not the point. You need to go to bed when they tell you to go to bed, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, 
But I'm talking about sleeping spiritually. And I am talking about like sleeping in church. That's not, a, that's not the place to sleep. I know the chairs are comfortable and you could lay out on them. They're actually pretty nice that way. Not that I know. But, um, but, but I'm not talking about going to bed. I'm talking about a spiritual sort of sleeping. When I'm supposed to be focused spiritually on falling asleep, I'm using it metaphorically for you adults. You get what I'm saying there. Now, why do I do that? Why do I think this may have been on Luke's mind? Because if you look at Luke, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote Acts. It's a two-volume set. I know they're not side-by-side in your Bibles. John's in the middle. But technically, they probably ought to be Luke and then Acts, like one after the other, because it's two volumes. He wrote both. He's a doctor. Um, and he... He does talk about sleep. He does talk about sleep. And when, he, when, when Luke talks about sleep, or what, maybe I should say when Jesus talks about sleep, it's often in a negative light. There's often a warning attached to it. And so I think it's fair to say this is a warning for us not to be spiritually apathetic, not to be lax, but to be alert, to be aware, to be pursuing Christ with everything we've got. And let me give you some of the dangers of falling asleep. You've seen one this morning already, falling out of a third-story window during church service. But, A, danger number one. If you fall asleep, you're going to miss something important. I'll never forget the first time I slept in on a Saturday and I missed a store meeting in high school. We had like a staff meeting, you know, and I just I just slept in and I blew it. I just wasn't there, you know. And, of course, you feel stupid walking in and... and then, then I, th- I think my manager said that day that I had won, like, the Employee of the Month award or whatever. And I missed it. I missed I wasn't even there to, like, in, in my glory, you know, right? I wasn't even there. No, but she still gave me the award. I think it was a gift certificate or something. But, but I felt so stupid. And, and we all know this. If you sleep, you're going to miss something. If you stay in bed, at Bedside Baptist, you're not going to get here, you know. It's not going to work. you got to get up. And, and this is not only here, but... Luke also brings this out. I never noticed this, and I think Luke's the only guy that says it. But you know there's four Gospels, right? And in the four Gospels, you have this story of the transfiguration. It's when Jesus takes his three, he takes Peter, James, and John up on this mountain with him, and he starts shining in all of his glory, and, and they see him for who he is. Now, only Luke tells us this extra piece of information. Like, you're with Jesus on the mountain. And something amazing is about to happen. And all the rest of the disciples, they're not on the mountain. Like, you're the special three. And this is what Luke tells us. Can we get the verse up? Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, but they, they became fully awake when they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. This is the thing. Jesus says, we're going on the mountain and he's talking about his death and, and all this. And, 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 and they're sleeping. They went to pray, but they're sleeping. And once Jesus started shining, you know, just like the morning light wakes you up, they were woke up. I never knew that until I read Luke on this whole thing. Like the light of Christ, the glory of Christ woke them up. But I think the question is, how much do you miss that God is doing because you're not following him? You're not pursuing him. You're not spiritually alert. You're just kind of like, whatever. You're missing stuff. But spiritual people, people that are, and I bet by spiritual, that, that's a word that's thrown out a lot. Let me just throw that out. 
People that are following Christ, loving Him, looking at His Word, obeying it, doing that walk with Him, they're seeing those things. They're seeing what's going on. B, the next danger of, of uh, a spiritual sleepiness is you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be vulnerable. I did an all-nighter once in youth ministry, and I had enough male leaders that, that we could take turns sleeping during part of the night. And uh, let me tell you what I did. I knew what would happen if I slept with a bunch of guys running around the church. I, I knew I knew they'd prank me. So what I did was I, I went into this room and I locked the door. I went to a Sunday school room, I locked the door, and I thought, I'm safe here. Do you know what they did? They went in the room next door to me and started to go up through the ceiling, the ceiling tiles, to get, listen, where's the other male leaders, you know? Like, why aren't they like, what's going on? I'm sleeping in there. And the only thing that stopped them from getting to me was the fact they broke one of the tiles and they freaked out and they left alone. That was the only thing that spared me. Listen, some of you have done, oh, I'm kind of pulling my mic here. Some of you have done the slumber party thing when you were little and you thought to yourself, I don't want to be the first one to fall asleep with my, my friends. Kids, you've thought this. I know you have. If I fall asleep first, they're going to like put my hand in warm water and try to make me have an act, you know. You know what I mean? I got to sleep with one eye open, you know, because it's not safe or they're, they're going to, they're going to put shaving cream on my hand and tickle my face or whatever, you know. I'm not going to fall asleep first. And, and, and this is like, we know this. We just get it. You fall asleep. If you're spiritually sleepy and not connected to Christ, you are vulnerable for attack, for temptation. When are you most tempted to do something really stupid? When you're tired. Isn't it true? Um, where do I see this in Luke? Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows he's going to die soon. He's praying. He's in agony. And he invites his disciples into the garden with him. And what are they doing? Sleeping. And this is what Jesus says. You put it up on there. Luke 22, 45-46. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. I mean, they had a reason. They, they, they were sad too. But they were sleeping. And he said, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. You've known this verse forever. Some of you have. If I'm not pursuing Jesus, I'm vulnerable for what Satan wants to do with my life. I'm vulnerable to temptation. I mean, I'm vulnerable anyway. But even more so when I'm sleepy. C. Lastly, the last danger I'd like to talk about um, is, really quick, you might even die without Jesus. Some of you have heard the message of Christ. You've been around the church, but you're just not, you've never taken it personally. You've never asked Christ to forgive you. You've never taken that step. And if you die without Christ, I, th I think this example from Eutychus is, I'm, I'm not saying Eutychus wasn't a believer. I'm, I'm assuming Eutychus was a believer, by the way, when he fell. But the warning is, you could die without Jesus if you just always keep putting him off. If you always say, I'm just going to play the church game, I'm just going to show up, you know? Maybe Eutychus was a Christmas and Easter only kind of guy. I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. 
Um, you might even die without Jesus. And then your destiny is set forever. There's a warning in the life of Eutychus for those that don't know Christ or are playing games and not really asking for his forgiveness, making him their, your Savior. Okay, there is, there is the warning. Here's the thing, though. I think, as I read this story, I see something even deeper and more beautiful going on with the fall of Eutychus. I think there's something even better than all that warning. Like, I, I get that Luke writes about sleepiness and Jesus talks about sleepiness. And I believe that's totally legitimate. There's a warning. But I believe there's also an encouragement for us. Ready for the good news, kids? Good news, right? Anybody yawning yet? Right? Okay. We good? Um, I believe there's an encouragement for us here. And this is, this goes to like, what is, what is the story here for? I, I really see here that the church in Troas is a model church similar to the Jerusalem church in chapter 2 of Acts 42-47. I think when Luke wrote this, he was writing about parallels. Like when you see the church in Jerusalem, like that's a great church. The church in Troas is a good church. Let me show some of the stuff to you. Can we get the verses up there? Uh, and this is earlier in Acts. This is a Jerusalem church, the first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What are the people in Troas doing? They're listening to Paul. The apostles' teaching. And they're, uh, and fellowship. They're getting together. The breaking of bread. What is, what does Acts, uh, 20 verse 7 say? They're getting together for the breaking of bread. You see? The, the parallel? And prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. What's the wonder and sign? that Paul throws himself on young Eutychus and raises him back to life. There's a parallel. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Next verse. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I don't see the any of that there. Day by day, attending the temple together, they break, breaking bread in their homes. That's happening. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Could you imagine when, when it says Paul said, you know, let's break some bread and eat a little bit. Then I'm going to go back to preaching. How glad they were to have Eutychus back with them as they were eating that meal. Again, a parallel. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We don't see much evangelism going on in this particular story. But the other parallels are there. Like I look at this and I see that what Luke is doing is saying, this church in Troas? Yeah, I know it's a quirky story with Eutychus. This is a good church. This is a good church. So here's the encouragement for you. Be in community. Be in the community of the church. You know what Eutychus' name means? You know what the word Eutychus means? You're going to love this. Lucky. Lucky. And although you might say he was unlucky to have a three-story fall, he was lucky because he was in the right place to have a three-story fall. He was in the church. He was with the Apostle Paul. Not just any church, but a church with an apostle in it. And apostles were known to do apostolic signs and wonders, and that's exactly what happened. 
That's exact. And I'm sure I'm thinking Luke put this story in the Bible because he's like, this is exactly how it was in the beginning of the Jerusalem church. Church is getting together, signs and wonders. It's awesome. That's what I see. Um, be in the community of the church. Um, and you'll find that it's not lucky. You'll find that you're with God's people. It's a place to be. Can I, can I just, can I just talk about just a few things? I, I have no more like big points, but just some of the things I see in this community of the church. We can get those words up real quick. Um, when I read the story of the, of the church in Troas, and uh, as I look at this, they're, they're getting together in verse 7 to break bread. Paul is speaking to them. There, there's lamps in there. I just want to, I want to pull out some of the things that I see in the text here, just, just to talk about this for a minute. I see that this church is a learning community. It's learning. It, it's centered on preaching and teaching. There's learning going on. And it's not learning like information dump. I believe it's transformational. It's changing lives. I, I can't get over, um, what verse is it? Verse 11. You know, he went upstairs again, broke bread and ate. After talking till daylight, he left. And then verse 12, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Like, okay. So, if someone was raised to life here, I'd be like, you know, get out the cake, let's celebrate, and we'll call it a day, you know. Or let me give you another example. One time I was teaching uh, teenagers, and there was a tornado siren, and we all had to go into a windowless side room, a safe area in the basement, and the whole youth group is in there. And I didn't keep teaching them. You know, like we prayed, and we talked, but it wasn't like I just continued preaching. And I'm looking at Paul going, you just raised a guy to life under with God's power, and you just keep going. Like, it, 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 Eutychus is alive, back to business. Like, what is that? That is a church who knows they are here to grow in their knowledge and in their application of the Word of God. They're grounded on the Word. <clears throat> so my thought is, Packers don't kick off until 3.30. I've got some time. You in? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> coffee? Did I hear someone say coffee? Yes, yes. Um, it's a learning community. I, I also th- I also see that there's lamps burning, and, and maybe Luke means it as kind of like a like a all the oil lamps are burning, and Eutychus is like, oh my goodness, I'm you know. Um, but I also note it's midnight, and if you read much of the Bible and you look at darkness. It's not good. Most of the time when darkness is talked about, it's not good. But isn't this a reminder that God works even in the dark places of our life? Like, like God's doing things. God is resurrecting people even in the dark. And so maybe you're in a dark time. And you just need a little bit of a reminder that, yeah, I'm actually in light too. God works in the darkness. God shows up when the shepherds are out there in the fields. You know? And I know you may be in the thick of it. But God's not done. He works pretty well even in darkness. Keep trusting Him. I also notice 
this is funny. Like, like the levity part of it, you know, like it's okay. Like when it says Paul talked on and on, some of you chuckled, you know, like that's okay. Paul did talk on and on. This should be a laughing community. If we start taking ourselves too seriously, I don't want to be that church. You know, we're all stuffy and serious all the time, you know. you got to laugh. So far, no one has ever criticized me for being funny in, in, in sermons, and I hope it never happens because I'm not going to stop. Like, But we're serious about the Word. We are serious. But it's okay to, like, laugh and, and to have these stories, and it's okay. Let's, let's lighten it up, too. We can have both. We can have both, the seriousness and the, the lightness. I see love. I see people loving Eutychus like they knew who he was and, and, and they were all comforted by him. I'm Look, I'm guessing Eutychus is a part of this body, this Troas church. I'm guessing they all know who he is because it says they were all comforted when he was brought back to them. Like this is like, this is our guy. This is our young guy. Look what God did for our young man. Look what he did. I see love there. You know, maybe, maybe for you then, you just need to make sure you talk to somebody this morning. Make sure you find out who somebody is, right? Notice somebody. That's what we're here to do. Love people. We know who Eutychus is. Do you know who's sitting over there? How about we do that? Um, and then there's the lucky part. I love the lucky part, you know, because it's not luckiness as in like serious luck, you know. Oh, how fortunate. No, it's not that. It's, it's like this is, this is God in his sovereignty, allowing a young man to fall and Paul to go down and raise him back to life. This is God in charge. It's not lucky. It's part of community. God works in this community. And many of you have the stories of how God prayed for people, prayed for you, and you've seen the power. It's not luck. Not luck at all. But how fortunate we are, you could even say how lucky we are to know Christ. How lucky we are that we can walk through the darkness with a Savior. How lucky we are. Let me close with one more thought. Um, little application for you. Uh, what can you do with all this? Um, what, what next steps can I take? If you're new to Three Lakes, these are our steps. This is our mission statement. It should look familiar to you. It's on every single bulletin that I know you read every word of. Every Sunday. And Monday. Uh, what can you do? Uh, our, our mission statement is connect, grow, serve. You can connect by coming to Sunday morning worship services. And our encouragement is you stay for Sunday school. You stay for cross training. If you're an adult, if you've never like been part of a sermon discussion before, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. it. It's a pretty amazing group of people that stick around and talk. And, and we go to those deep places. We laugh. We have serious conversations. You hear it all here. It's pretty amazing. 10.45. Stay a little bit. Have a cup of coffee. Uh, B, uh, growing. That's our community groups. So this morning, we have our Reformation community groups coming up. We're going to study the Reformation this fall. They're going to launch in a couple weeks. You have a couple weeks left still. But the sign-ups are downstairs uh, on that ledge by the church office. Pick a group. Sign up. There's five, I think, down there so far. How about you give us the terrible task of trying to find more leaders because we fill up all the groups? Wouldn't that be great? So so go sign up. Give us a huge problem. Uh, and be in community with people. I don't think you're going to be known 
as much as you want to be known only on Sunday. It's going to take meeting during the week. Let's do that. Let's do that. And finally, service teams. Uh, we'll have service sign-ups at some point. It won't be this morning. But, but be involved and serve, both in the community and this church. That's our game plan. Like, that's how we get things done here. We connect, we grow, we serve. If you're doing those things, you will be a vital part of this community. That's how you get in. You want in, that's how you're in. Okay? Um, finally, I just I can't help but say it, but um, Eutychus was raised from the dead. If you look at verse 6, I think I said I'm almost done for a while now. Maybe Paul did that too. I don't know. Um, if you look at verse 6, I didn't read it, but I noticed it a few days ago. I just want to point out verse 6 to you. Uh, where is it? But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread and five days later joined the others at Troas where we stayed for seven days. What an amazing verse. You're not with me yet. Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, so let me say it again and see if you see it. But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread and five days later joined the others at Troas where we stayed seven days. Do you see it? Not yet. Should I read it again? Um, okay, it's okay. The reason you don't see it is because you're not Jewish. Feast of Unleavened Bread. Do you know what time of year that takes place? And do you know what one of the major days of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread is? Passover. I heard it. Passover. And you know, like, what happens, like, after Passover? You know what happened after Passover? Easter Sunday. Like, resurrection. Resurrection Sunday. So, I can't prove anything here. I can't prove anything. So, don't quote me on this. Don't go to all your friends. Don't do it. But, but, what if, what if Eutychus' resurrection day was resurrection day? Like, what if that was Easter Sunday? I, mean, I I don't know. I don't know. People, I don't know. But I know it's in that same time frame, and you're getting really close to that day. Holy cow. Christ is raised. He is risen. Yeah. Okay. Let me pray. Um, would you bow your heads with me? Oh, Jesus, uh, we love you. You are risen. I want to pray, Lord, if anyone has not taken that step to know you personally. Father, I pray that maybe this morning they would take that step and pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, you are the risen Savior. I see it now. I see it now. And I am the sinner. You're the Savior. I'm the sinner. I've messed up. Would you forgive me of all that I've done? I repent. Would you save me? Would you help me follow you all of my days? And Father, I I bet for some people, they need a community because life is full of danger, spiritual danger. I pray for those that feel like they're in the darkness right now that they may pray a prayer like, Lord, you see where I'm at and there's a little lamp burning, but it's not much and the oil feels awfully low. Oh God, meet me in the darkness. 
Be close to me there. Help me connect to a fellow community who can love me, support me. More than anything, may I experience your love. Do a resurrecting work in my life. I love you. Jesus name. And with your head down and your eyes closed, if you if you prayed to receive Christ today, if this is your day, it's an awesome day. If you receive Christ today, would you look up at me if this is your day? I just want to see it. Is, is there anybody here? Okay. Okay. You can uh, open your eyes. I'm going to play, pray one more prayer this morning for all of us. We have a benevolence offering today. As you go out this morning. There'll be ushers at the door. We got enough money the first offering. That was fine. But, you know, this is for needs in our community. This is for the food pantry. This is for taking care of other people, helping people out as a community. So as you go, if you feel led to give, please do that. Um, Kids, I need to see you, I think, right over here, right after church, before Sunday school. Am I right? Okay, so kids, I'll see you over here for rules. And uh, I think that's it. Let me pray. Lord, as we go today, I pray your special blessing on our teachers today, that they would assist parents in raising young disciples. And I pray for our kids that are going to be part of Sunday school this year, that they would grow up knowing you and loving you. Oh God, that you would spare them many of the scars of sin. Because they learn from a young age what it means to honor you and obey you, to love you well. Father, may we go now under your blessing as people of light. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.